From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, herpes simplex ophthalmicus in kids. We did find about a quarter of patients with herpes simplex keratitis had induced astigmatism of at least two diopters. First this. This year's ASCRS annual symposium was great. I learned a lot that I'm applying to my practice right now. If I have any complaint, it's that I couldn't get to all the sessions I wanted to because some of them overlapped. That's why I'm so excited about the new ASCRS Media Center. More than 1,300 sessions from that meeting are now available through this great new resource. See what you missed or revisit the most interesting sessions. The Media Center is free to all meeting attendees. Stay tuned after the podcast for more information. Herpes simplex ophthalmicus is a difficult condition to treat. Unlike other infections, it can't be cured. The best we can hope for is to minimize the frequency and impact of recurrences. Recurrent simplex can cause scarring, stromal thinning, and irregular topography that can have an impact on the rest of the patient's life. This is especially relevant when the patient is a child. Kathy Colby has recently published results of a study looking at herpes simplex ophthalmicus in children. Kathy is an old friend of mine, and I'm delighted to have her as my guest today. How common is herpes simplex ophthalmicus, and and how common is it in in children, Kathy? Uh, Well, it's a very common disease overall. There are about a half a million cases of recurrent herpes simplex of the cornea and external eye yearly in all patients. And um, our study demonstrated that it is a a fairly common disease in children. Uh, I have a pediatric cornea practice at Children's Hospital in Boston, and it's one of the top three medical diseases that I see in children. What was the objective of your study? Uh, The objective was basically to just do a demographic study to see how old the children were that we were seeing and what kind of presenting signs and symptoms they had and how they responded to treatment. And can I get you to describe the study's design? Uh, Well, it was a retrospective case review. We looked at all of our cases of herpes simplex in patients 16 or younger over a 10-year period at the uh, Mass Pioneer Cornea Service, which is a tertiary care um, center. What were your your inclusion criteria, and and how did you establish the, 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 the diagnoses? Well, the diagnosis was based on clinical findings, um, so we did not do any PCR or anything like that. It, it can be challenging to do things in children that you can do with, in adults with relative ease, so it was a clinical diagnosis. So it was all patients with a diagnosis, a clinical di- diagnosis of herpes under 16 or younger over the 10-year period from 2000 to the end of 2009. What were your findings, your, your results? Yeah, so we had a large series. There's 53 patients, and there were, of those cases, four of them were bilateral, so a total of 57 eyes. And um, a fair number of them, 18 out of the 57 eyes, only had herpetic blepharoconjunctivitis, 
And in those patients, there was no vision loss, no corneal scarring, and no reduction in corneal sensation in the patients that we could test that in. In contrast, in the 39 eyes that had herpes simplex keratitis, uh, about one quarter of them had uh, significant uh, corneal scarring inducing uh, two diopters or, or more of astigmatism, and that same percentage had a reduction in vision to 2040 or less. You know, I, I, I did my fellowship at, at Mass Eye and Ear and Cornea. I think it's the most wonderful place on earth. Having said that, it, it is a, a tertiary center. Now, how representative do you think that your patient population is? Well, I think that in general, children have more stromal disease. And I, I think probably a lot of patients get, end up getting pediatric patients that have recurrent herpes end up getting seen by a cornea specialist at a tertiary care center because children are hard to examine. And a lot of even very good pediatric ophthalmologists don't really know what they're looking at in the cornea. So I think it's fairly representative of the population as a whole. Uh, we know not only from our study, but also from other studies that uh, most children tend to have stromal disease compared with adults who tend to have dendritic disease. So I think that these results are, um, while they are skewed towards the tertiary care nature of our practice, I think they have important messages for not just the tertiary care cornea specialist, but also the pediatric ophthalmologist and even the pediatrician. Kathy, how are these patients treated? Uh, most of them were treated with oral antivirals, most commonly oral acyclovir. Um, it's difficult to get drops into children, and the oral acyclovir comes as a suspension, which is very easily di easily dosed for children. So most, by far, the, the greatest majority were treated with oral acyclovir. Who was put on long-term prophylaxis, and, and, and what were the indications for these patients, and how long was therapy continued, uh, and, and, and at what dose, and, and, and how well was it tolerated? I, I, I know it's a whole slew of, of, okay, of questions. Okay, so let's, let's do them separately. Who was placed on prophylaxis? We basically went on um, the, the herpetic eye disease study results. So children who presented with recurrent stromal disease or with um, a prior history that was suggestive and scars on examination um, or recurrences that we documented ourselves um, were placed on long-term acyclovir prophylaxis. The, the 15 of the 16 that we had were in that group. One child had just a dendritic keratitis, but because he was on long-term immunosuppression uh, with oral uh, um, steroid supplementation because of a congenital adrenal hypoplasia. We thought he was at increased risk, so we put him on acyclovir prophylaxis. And the dosages um, are listed in our paper. And basically, we try to do this to make it convenient for the parents. So acyclovir suspension comes as 200 milligrams per teaspoon or 5 cc's. So for very little babies, we'd put them on 100 milligrams twice a day. 
which is a half a teaspoon, 2.5 cc's twice daily. For children who are a little bit older, one teaspoon twice a day. And then children who were like five or six years old, one and a half teaspoons twice a day. And then anyone who was over the age of about seven or eight, we would place on the adult prophylactic dose, which was 400 milligrams uh, twice daily. Um, it the, generally was very, very well tolerated. One young infant developed diarrhea. Um, acyclovir does contain a lot of lactose in the preparation, and so children or even adults who are lactose intolerant can have some GI upset after that. How do your findings compare with those of, of prior studies? So there really aren't, there are only really small studies previously, and the, the small studies done previously have shown that children have a higher rate of stromal disease than adults do. Um, the other studies didn't address things like the response to acyclovir or the um, rate of misdiagnosis or things like that. Um, interestingly, some of the other studies that have been done, again, who, that were smaller in nature, showed more of a bilateral nature than we detected in our study. We only had four cases that were bilateral. What is the typical etiology of vision loss after an episode of, of herpes simplex keratitis? Uh, most commonly, it's actually induced irregular astigmatism. Um, children can get scars, and the scars can even be central, um, but we all remember Dr. Dolman's many teachings to us, and one of them is that the stroma is very unimportant in the long-term vision of patients, whereas the surface is very important. And so we did find about a quarter of patients with, with um, herpes simplex keratitis had uh, induced astigmatism of at least two diopters. So what happens is kids get stromal disease, the cornea becomes inflamed, it melts a little, and even if the scar fades away, the shape of the cornea is affected by the um, previous attacks, and therefore the vision is reduced because of the irregular astigmatism. What triggers did you identify in these patients, or, or what, what, what triggers did, did the patients report? Yeah, I mean, you know, even the head study had a hard time finding triggers. Um, there were some cases where there were um, things like uh, concurrent or preceding fever or upper respiratory infection or ear infection. Um, that occurred in about 13 patients, so about uh, a quarter of our population. And a few patients had systemic immunosuppression, the patient with congenital adrenal hyperplasia that I already mentioned, a patient with diabetes, a sickle cell patient, and a, a JRA patient. Um, but most of them, I mean, it's hard to retrospectively come up with a trigger, but the most common one was a preceding or a concurrent um, viral URI. A surprising number of, of patients in, in your study on long-term acyclovir therapy demonstrated recurrent disease. What do you make of this, Kathy? 
Well, even um, from the HEAD study, which was much larger, uh, it showed that even with oral acyclovir, recurrence rates do occur. Um, the acyclovir just reduces the recurrence by about half. So, I mean, it, it's a recurrent disease in children. Children who get stromal disease do tend to have recurrences. And our study really was empowered to detect uh, the effects of acyclovir on recurrence, but um, it, it does seem to be able to quiet down some children. And we had talked earlier, and I don't think I answered you about when did we stop the acyclovir. And so our general approach would be to quiet the children down with the acyclovir and topical steroids as needed, try to reduce and, and eliminate the topical steroids when possible. And then we continue them on the oral acyclovir for at least a year. And then we discussed with the parents whether or not we thought it was worthwhile to try them off the acyclovir. And a lot of times, so many of these children had had a really long, protracted, recurrent course, kids that had had, you know, recurrent conjunctivitis in one eye for the four years prior to being seen by us that suddenly it became quiescent when the, the acyclovir was started, that a lot of the parents chose to just continue the acyclovir because they knew how bad and how much their child's life had been affected when the disease was so recurrent. In in the context of your own practice, how how do you manage these these patients? And and you know, following up that that last question, how do you determine when to to stop therapy? And 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 do you stop therapy just if 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 the patient shows some tolerance problems or and and otherwise just not stop it? No, it, it's it's really very well tolerated medicine. Only that one baby had a problem with tolerating it. Um, so if someone's been quiet for a year. I talk to the parents about stopping it if they've been quiet and they've been off steroids. And if they're on steroids, I just continue it. Um, and if the parent decides that they want to have a trial off the acyclovir, we'll try it. And then I follow the child. And if they recur, then I tell the parents, okay, we've tried it. And now we just know that it needs to stay on uh, to keep your child from having further attacks. And if they do well, then we just keep following them with the, the um, understanding that the parent's going to call us immediately if something happens with, that, with the involved eye so that I, I counsel my patients, parents, that if the, you know, if the left eye is the one that's involved, if the left eye ever becomes red, it's not conjunctivitis, it's herpes until proven otherwise. And, um, you know, so we just have long-term kind of close follow-up. Pediatric ophthalmologists should consider herpes whenever, whenever a child presents with recurrent pretty much any symptoms in the anterior segment of the eye. So I've had kids, I had one child, and in fact, this was a case report in the paper, who came to me from Bermuda with on and off redness in one eye for, I think, four years. And, and the the pediatrician, pediatric ophthalmologist attributed it to allergies, which really doesn't make sense because you would expect that to be a bilateral condition. So really, herpes can present in many, many different ways. It can have a blepharitis, a blepharoconjunctivitis. It can have dendrites. It can have flictenules, limbitis. There are so many different manifestations. So you just want to think about the diagnosis if a child 
has recurrent problems in one eye. You just have to keep it in the back of your mind. And a lot of times, even if I am not 100% sure that that's the diagnosis, I'll give a trial of acyclovir, and if it calms down, then we kind of know that's probably what it is. Kathy, thank you so much. You're welcome, Josh. It's good to talk to you. Kathy Colby comes to us from the cornea service at the Massachusetts Eye and Ear Infirmary and is an associate professor of ophthalmology at the Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts. Her paper, Pediatric Herpes Simplex of the Anterior Segment, Characteristics, Treatment, and Outcomes, appears in the October 2012 issue of Ophthalmology. Here's some additional information about the new ASCRS Media Center. Almost all of the 2012 ASCRS ASOA meeting was audio and video recorded, and there are now more than 1,300 sessions featuring almost 1,000 speakers available online. You can view the general sessions, ASCRS paper sessions, symposia, films and posters, plus select courses and ASOA sessions on business management. It's essentially the entire meeting, anytime you want, and it's all available through the new ASCRS Media Center. If you attended the meeting, your Media Center access is free. If you're a current ASCRS or ASOA member but didn't attend, you can still see everything that you missed for the member price of $199. If you're not an ASCRS member, you can still purchase the Media Center, or better yet, Join us and get the lower member price. To view the 2012 meeting through the Media Center, visit the ASCRS website at www.ascrs.org. If you're already a member, log in first and then click the Media Center link. If you're a guest, just click the Media Center link at the top of the page. From there, you can purchase the Chicago 2012 package or better yet, Join the ASCRS and receive the discounted member price. Ask questions of Dr. Colby or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at jungmd at gmail.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.